We've been talking about the tests that Abraham went through. In Genesis chapter 22, the greatest test was that of his offering Isaac on the altar to the Lord. And in verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham. This Genesis 22 is the big test that he went through. It was the seventh test. It says, after these things, there are six tests that took place before this takes place. And we've looked at several of them already. We've talked about his test with relation to his family. God tested the fervor of his faith. And then the test with reference to his food. Would he trust the Lord when he called him to go into Canaan? And there was a famine there. God tested the sufficiency of his faith. Aren't you glad God is sufficient? Amen. And then he tested him with the fellowship of his faith and his, the humility. And then this morning we also talked about the forgiveness of his faith and the character. God's dealing with his character. Tonight we come to the fifth test of Abraham in reference to his desire for fortune. Or we could say his test in relationship to money. And here God is testing the dignity of his faith. The dignity of his faith. Abraham has taken his servants out, as we talked about this morning, and he has defeated the five kings of the Vale. Sodom and Gomorrah was captured, Lot was captured. Abraham had to be willing to forgive Lot and then go and rescue him and fight for him. He's brought Lot and his family back with all of the goods intact. And here in this latter part of chapter 14... He meets several people that are very important to us. First of all, I want you to notice he meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem, who is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. In verse number 18, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he, Abram, blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram. So Melchizedek is blessing Abram. Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes. Abram gave Melchizedek tithes of all. So he meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Many theologians believe that Melchizedek is what is called a Christophany. A Christophany is an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 3 that Melchizedek had no father, he had no mother, he had no beginning of days, and he had no end of life. That's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also Melchizedek is king. He's king, verse 18 says, of Salem. And then it also goes on and says, and he was priest of the Most High God. He's the only king in the Bible, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, who also held the office of priest. If you remember when Saul stepped into the position of the priest and offered sacrifices that were only to be offered by the priest, Saul got into trouble. And he ended up, in a, as a part of all that, losing the kingdom. But here Melchizedek is mentioned as king and priest. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the only other person in the Bible that had held those positions as king and priest. Now, he returns from a great victory, Abram does, and he meets 
the king of Salem. The word Salem means peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And so he meets this king of peace, the king of Salem, who represents the king of peace and righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, he meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Secondly, he meets the king of Sodom, the wicked political king who represents Satan. It says in verse 21, And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. This king is called the king of Sodom. He literally rules over a city that is filled with absolute wickedness. We know a little bit of what Sodom was like by the immorality and the wickedness we see in our world today. We saw a lot of it last month in June when we had the, the sodomy flaunted in the face of God and in the face of true Christians at what, what was so-called Pride Month. I don't know if you're like me, but I was a little bit sick of all the pride. Pride goeth before destruction, the Bible says, and a haughty spirit before a fall. But as this king of Sodom met Abraham, there's two kings here. There's Melchizedek, who's a representative of God, and there's the king of Sodom, who's a representative of Satan, a type of Satan. And the Bible says that Abraham paid to Melchizedek tithes of all that he had. Now, some people say that tithe is, is, is Old Testament, and this is the Old Testament, but this is before the law is given. And Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Then the king of Sodom tests the dignity of Abraham's faith. He says to Abraham, let me take the people that I rule over, I'll take them back to my own city, and you take all the goods, you take all the wealth, you take all the spoil of the, of the battle. Remember, they'd gone against Abram, had gone against the five kings and defeated them. It was common in those days for the victor in the battle to take all of the spoils of that day. And the one who was victorious would take the gold and the silver and all of the things that were captured. So now the king says to Abram, he says, you go ahead and take all of this wealth, take all of the things, the spoils of the battle, and I'll go back to my city with my people and start all over again. By the way, Satan has no problem with letting you have the money if you'll let him have the kids. And a lot of Christian families have sold out their kids so that they can work more and make more money, and they've lost their kids, and it's never worth it. It's never worth it. So here's the dignity of his faith. Would he accept the fortune and the honor from a heathen king? What a tremendous test. Because had Abraham done that, now he would have been even more wealthy than what he, what he was before. He can have all the spoils from the great battle from these other five kingdoms that were destroyed by 318 servants under the power of God. The dignity of his faith. Will he allow people for the rest of his life to say, Abraham is where he is today because of the battle he fought with the kings in the vale, and because the king of Sodom gave him all the goods and all the spoils from the battle. What about the desires of his faith? Would Abram give God the glory? I like Abraham's speech. I like the way he passed this test. 
We all will pass the test sometime in our life with reference to money and fame and fortune. What a temptation that he went through. Look at verse 22. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and notice this, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham said, King of Sodom, I want you to know that I'm going to give God the glory. I'm not, a, I'm not going to let you get the credit for making me rich, for blessing me. God has promised to me that He's going to make me the father of many nations. God has promised to me that He's going to bless my lineage. And I'm not going to take one single thing from you, a heathen king. Nothing. Not even a shoelace. Huh. He's not going to let, let him give it. In other words, Abraham said, I don't want your fortune. You see, when we take from the world and from others, God never gets the glory. And Abraham said, I'll not take it because people will give you the credit for me being successful later on in life rather than giving God the credit for making me successful. When you and I steal our tithe and use it for ourselves instead of being given it to God, and later on we become successful in the business world, could I tell you God never gets the glory from that? And if you're tempted to steal from your company, or you're tempted to play the lottery, boy, I can make it big. God never gets the glory. Amen? God doesn't get the glory. Abraham says, I want God to get the glory. There'll come a time in your life when you'll be tested with selling out to the heathen, when you'll be tested to sell out to the world, doing the things the world's way instead of doing things God's way, what will you do when that test comes? I'm sorry to say that a lot of preachers and churches have sold out their music and have sold out their Bible to try to get a bigger crowd and get more money, and God never gets the glory. I hope you and I will make the same speech that Abraham made, he said, I'll not even take a thread of a garment or a shoestring from you because I don't want you to ever get the credit for making me successful. I want God to get the credit, and I believe by faith that God's going to keep his word and he's going to make me successful. Abram said, I want God to get the credit for that. When we built this building for our church, it's hard to believe we got in here in 19, or 19, in 2003. And it's 2023. We've been in this new building 20 years. How many of you are 20 years or younger? Let me see your hands. You're 20 years. Hold it up high. Look around. 20 years or younger. That means all of you have your hand up right now. You don't know anything about us having church over there in the other building. All you know is this building. But God led us when we, when we built this building to build debt-free. And God wanted us to wait on Him to supply the money so that God could get the glory for it. And when we had our first service in here, it was completely paid for. And God gets the credit. God made us successful. Not the bank, not the loan company, but God did. We prayed, 
We sacrificed. We did what we could do. And God blessed and God provided. And God gets the glory for what he did. What a wonderful passing of this test that Abraham had. You know, as a man walks through life, there's test after test in our life. There's trial after trial. As we grow in our faith and as we grow in our strength for the Lord, there's so much to this wonderful story of the life of Abram and how God tested him and how God brought him through those tests. Some of them, he didn't do so good. He did pretty good on this one, didn't he? He wouldn't take a shoelace from the king of Sodom because he wanted God to get the glory. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God to get the glory in your life? Or does it even matter who gets the glory just as long as you get successful? You know, some people sell out. They just want to be successful. It doesn't matter who gets the glory. I hope you're like Abram to say, I want God to get the glory for what he does. God tested him in reference to his fortune. And then the sixth test of Abraham was God testing Abram And I forgot to tell you because that fifth test was on your notes from this morning. This sixth test is on the the insert on the notes for tonight. We didn't finish up that other part this morning. The sixth test, Abraham's test with reference to his desires of his flesh. The reference to the desires of the flesh. God is now testing Abraham and he's testing the patience of his faith. Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? Two areas of this test that we all struggle with. One is the flesh and the other is patience. You know, we want things, but we want them now. You know, we even sometimes pray, Lord, give me patience, but give it to me now. Uh, We live in a world and a society that wants everything in a moment. We want the microwave. We want the instant everything. We want it now. We don't want to wait. But God tests Abraham in reference to his patience. God said to Abraham... I will make of thee a great nation. I'll give you an heir. It's now been 14 years after God's promise to give Abram a son. And there's no son yet to be born. 14 years he's waited. And Abraham speaks to God in his pride. Back in chapter 15, if you look there with me in verse number 1. It says, after these things, same phrase we read back in, in, over in chapter 22. Chapter 15, after these things, after the battle with the five kings, and after he won this great victory, and said, I'll not take a penny, not a shoelace lace from you. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, fear not. You know, it's amazing how many times in the Bible God says, fear not. God doesn't want us to live in fear. One of the biggest things we struggled with through the COVID stuff was fear. When we, were, when we couldn't have services, I think it was seven weeks that we couldn't have services and we were just doing it live. If you remember, I think the first two or three messages I preached on fear. The devil wants us to live in fear and God says, fear not. And he said that to Abraham. There's over 365 times in the Bible when it says, fear not, or do not be afraid, or something like that. In other words, there's a fear not verse for every day of the year. And God said to Abram, fear not. Fear not, Abram. I like this next part. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God said, Abraham, I'm your your shield. I'm your great reward. 
And he uses those two words, I am. Those are pretty important words, aren't they? This is the great I am. And he says to Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, verse number two, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? You begin to see the pride of Abraham. What will you give me, Lord, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me hast thou given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. In other words, Eliezer, this this, uh, one, the steward of your house, he's not the heir, it's not Eliezer. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God had said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham says, God, you promised me a son. Where is he? He hasn't come yet. I want, I want my own son. I don't want Eliezer to be the heir. I want my own son. Lot has come. I took him, but now he's gone. Could it be that Eliezer, the chief servant of my house, is going to be the heir? And God said, no, be patient, Abraham. Eliezer will not be the heir. I'm still going to give you the son I promised. God never goes back on his promises. He always keeps his word. Look over at chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing... I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And he gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Again, you see the pride of Abraham. Abram, his name's not changed yet to Abraham. Abraham was saying to God, God, you promised me a son. I can't go without a son. I've got to have the son. I must have this child. I've waited 14 years now on the promise of God. Abraham was 72 years old when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. And now he's 86 years old. And he says to God, how about Eliezer? Is he going to be the heir? And God said, no, he's not the heir. I'll give you an heir. And now Sarah comes along and Sarah says, Abraham, it doesn't look like God's going to keep his promise. It doesn't look like he's going to give you a son. We have Hagar, this maid that he had picked up when he was down in Egypt when he should have gone to Canaan. Remember, he went into Egypt. He went into the place that represents the world. And Sarah says, I'll give you her. Take her to be your wife. She's younger than I am. Maybe she can deliver you that son. You see, the desires of the flesh are so strong. I've got to have it. I wish I had time just to stop and preach a little bit to some of you young ladies and young men because there's a big difference in relationship between love and lust. Lust says I've got to have it now. Love says I'm willing to wait for the right time and the right person. And there's a big difference between the two. The desires of the flesh are so strong. For all these years, Abraham's been walking with God. 
But in his pride, Abraham thought this. He thought, Sarah's too old to have a child, but I'm not. You see the pride? I can do it, but you can't. You're too old. I'm all right. I'm not too old. I can still father a child. And Abraham's pride would not allow him to wait on God. His pride ran ahead. It ran before his patience. And the handmaid that Abraham had gotten down in Egypt, when he failed the test of the sufficiency of his faith concerning his food, now is taken as his wife. He had gone into Egypt during the days of famine. If he had not gone there, if he had obeyed God and gone into Canaan during the time of famine, he wouldn't have had Hagar. There's several things that I want you to notice that he picked up while he was down there in Egypt. First of all, the cows he got down in Egypt created a problem with Lot. He gathered cattle and his flocks grew and now his flocks and, and we talked about it this morning, Lot's flocks are too great and there's not enough pasture land and so they have this conflict and they go their separate ways and Lot heads to Sodom and Gomorrah and he takes what's left, he takes the desert area. And then secondly, this handmaid is now going to cause a problem between he and his wife and between him and his God. Hagar, and we don't have time again to go in all the story, but there's a lot of problems even after Ishmael the son is born. There's conflict and problems in the family. Anytime a man has more than one wife, he has one too many. Amen? God's plan has always been one man for one woman for one lifetime. And so the handmaid caused some problems. Remember this, thirdly there on your notes, everything you pick up in the world, that you carry with you into your Christian life and experience, and do not completely rid yourself of, will someday come back to haunt you. Someday it will come back to haunt you. It's kind of the same principle of the sins that we do not deal with in our early life, we oftentimes face later on in life. Remember David when he killed Goliath? He stopped by the brook, and how many stones did he pick up? Five. I don't think he thought he was going to miss Goliath four times. He knew Goliath had some brothers. And he killed Goliath that day, but later in his life, he had to face those other giants. And the things that we don't deal with now, we face later. And the things we pick up in the world, we face the consequences later if we're not willing to rid ourselves of them. All these years later, his handmaid is going to come back to haunt him. She's a symbol of something that he picked up in the world and never got rid of. And his patience was weak, and he failed this test greatly. And you and I know the story that he faced here. Ishmael was born, and Ishmael was delivered. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. And Ishmael is still fighting for the promised land with Isaac today. And we still have problems going on in the Middle East because of the failure of Abraham many years ago. Here, Abraham got out of the will of God because the desires of the flesh were so strong and his pride was so great. His patience was so short that he couldn't wait on God to fulfill the promise. You'll never go wrong waiting on God. And you're never wasting time when you're waiting on God. What a tremendous warning this is to us. 
Even a man that later becomes the father of the faithful failed in this area of the flesh. That's a warning to all of us. How the things of the world and Hagar's represented by them are a temptation to us to fail in the times of strong desire. And again, I want to say to the young people especially, Sometimes the desires of the flesh are great, and sometimes the desires to find a mate and to find a husband and find a wife, and, and I'm going to be single all my life, and, and we will settle for less than God's best because we're not willing to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Remember what I said this morning? God always gives His best to those who leave the choice with Him. Wait on the Lord. And that brings me to this next thing, and it's so very important. Don't miss it. Satan oftentimes sends a counterfeit just before God sends his best. Satan oftentimes sends a counterfeit just before God sends his best. And if we are not willing to patiently wait on the Lord, we'll accept the counterfeit of the devil before we get the best that God has. Hagar and Ishmael, instead of... Sarah and Isaac, he didn't wait. The problems that came. And you know, here's Abraham, this man of great faith. And now again, he fails another test in his life. And it tells us again, that even we, walking with God and living for God, can have some failures in our life, can't we? But it also tells us when we do fail, God doesn't throw us aside. That one song says, I'm glad he didn't throw the clay away. Amen. And God has a way of picking us up and remolding us and remaking us and restoring us. But oftentimes when we go through failures, it's kind of like a diamond. When a jeweler takes a diamond, he's, he's chiseling away at that diamond and trying to make it into the perfect form that he wants. If he hits it the wrong place or if he hits it too hard, that diamond cracks and breaks. And he still has a diamond. He still can make a diamond out of it, but the finished product is smaller than what it could have been if it hadn't broken. And sometimes in our life, when we're not willing to wait on the Lord... God picks up the pieces and puts us back together, but sometimes we are not able to reach the potential that God had wanted for us, intended for us, before the failure. And so here's Abraham, a tremendous failure in his life. You say, Abraham failed this sixth test of seven. How can he be the father of the faithful? God tests and tries Abraham for all of these years. And then we come to Genesis 22, and we'll come back to this later on, but we're going to see the greatest test of all. When Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain and offered Isaac, was willing to offer him to the Lord. The greatest test. And God said, now I know, Abraham, that you believe me and that you follow me. How could he fail the sixth test and then pass the seventh test in great victory? God. Amen. Only God. And God can pick us up after failures. And God can still use us. And God still wants to use us. But never forget, the tests and the trials are going to come. And the greatest test was the last one, right? 
Your greatest test may still be ahead of you. You say, preacher, that's not very encouraging. <laughs> but the greatest victory Abraham had came as a result of that test. Amen? That is encouraging. That God helped him, and we'll see some of the things later on of how God used Abraham and how God worked in that situation. But remember, the tests are going to come in your life. None of us are exempt. And when we go through those tests, look to the Lord, trust Him, wait on Him. And as we see our brothers and sisters in the Lord going through various tests in their life, pray for them, encourage them, help them. We need each other, amen? And when we fail, and we will, don't condemn, don't in your pride say, I would never do that. Someone said that Christians are the only soldiers that shoot their, or that kill their wounded, or shoot their wounded. No, we ought to encourage one another. When we fail, it's our job to pick them up, to pray for them, to help to restore them in a spirit of humility and love because there's going to be some more tests and I'm going to go through some more tests and so will you. With God's help, may we be faithful to be patient and don't accept the counterfeit of the devil because you're not willing to wait on God for his best. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the example of Abraham the tests that he had to deal with in his life. We've had to face them. Some are still facing them. Some of us will face them. All of us will. You'll test us in relationship to our family and our food, and your sufficiency and our fellowship, our forgiveness, fortune and money, the flesh, patience. Lord, we have this old sinful flesh and sinful nature that we all have to deal with. Thank you for the new nature that you give to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us. May you help us when we do fail to get back up and to go on for God, not to give up. Thank you that Abraham didn't give up before he came to that Mount Moriah in chapter 22, which is a picture of Jesus going to the cross. Thank you that you didn't give up. You sent your son to die on an old rugged cross to pay our sin debt. And Lord, as we face these tests and trials, may we understand that you're maturing us and you're developing us. And you want to use us to have a testimony to the world around us to see that our God is the true and living God and he loves us and he cares for us and he'll provide for us and he'll see us through whatever test we're going through. Help us to look to you and trust you, we pray in Jesus' name.